I can't believe a year ago my purpose in life was hunting you down. And now... And now we're friends. Yeah. We are friends. I can't believe a year ago I was still frozen in a block of ice. The world's so different now. And it's gonna be even more different. We'll rebuild it together. Today, this war is finally over. I promised my uncle that I would restore the honor of the Fire Nation, and I will. The road ahead of us is challenging. A hundred years of fighting has left the world scarred and divided. But with the Avatar's help, we can get it back on the right path and begin a new era of love and peace. All hail Fire Lord Zuko! Welcome back to the Bitter Jurors Podcast. We are a queer Avatar The Last Airbender super fan podcast. Uh, no longer, I guess. Uh, my name is Sam Stanish, and with me, as always, is the king of the guys who do win, Derek Riding. Hey, thank you, Loser Lord. Or <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Melon Lord, <laughs> Father Lord. There's lots of variants on Lord in this episode. Yeah. I even just the go to Fire Lord. Like they're just they said Lord more times in this episode than ever before. Exactly. They've said Lord more than we've been able to say Lord in however many years it's been since melodrama dropped. Lord, I mean Jeff, bitch Lord, <laughs> you're not a bitch Lord, <laughs> etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh <laughs> Yeah, we are here to talk about the finale of Avatar The Last Airbender. It's just me and Derek, uh, but releasing on this same day is an episode with, we invited every single guest uh, ever on the show, so if you would rather listen to more people in a roundtable, that episode is available as well. Uh, but here we are, this episode never stops slapping and has never stopped since 2007 to blow my mind every single time. Exactly. Same here. Um, I still was getting choked up at multiple times throughout this episode. You would think after having probably seen these episodes, like uh, and uh, like a um, a kind estimate would be like maybe ten times. Yeah, um, I was gonna say like double digits. <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, I'm still like full on sobbing at the Zuko Iro scene. Um, Toph thinking she's about to die always gets me. Just so many tears, but also some really hilarious, like some of the funniest moments of the whole show are in the finale. Um, just a fantastic ending to an amazing show. 
I completely agree. And like, I feel like every time I rewatch, I, something new strikes me. Like, especially, I, I think that the, like, I just, yeah, like, like you said with Toph, uh, but specifically when she's like feeling the fire on her face, you can't even see it. That like the line reading that she says there just to go into a hyper specific, like is, it just really struck me this time. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, an excellent ending, something that I'm sure our opinions on have evolved in different ways on since we saw it 15 years ago. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> I can, no, wait, I was like, that can't be real, but it, it, wait, is that real? Hold on. When did the finale air? 2014. So, oh, what the hell? <laughs> like, or wait, it was, it was 2007 or 2008 that this came out. Um, and so, yeah, like, it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is, yeah. So I guess, do we want to talk about, like, what was, do you remember watching the finale for the first time? Do you remember where you were? I do, because I went, I, part of, strong part of my uh, personality is that I went to a sleepaway summer camp. I'm actually accidentally wearing uh, the, the some stuff from the camp currently, uh, but... Oh. Both for, this was two summers in a row, I think. So like in 2007, I had accidentally gone the week that Deathly Hallows was coming out. And so I had to wait like a full week to read that. And then I read it in like under 12 hours. And then, <laughs> um, so like the next summer, uh, this was happening during the week I was at summer camp. Uh, like they released, I forget what the release schedule was like uh, for this, but I remember that it was suddenly happening in here, and I was like, "Oh my god, I like actually need to see." <laughs> like I'm so bad at myself, and it's not like a book where I can just have it and then be ready to go. So I had to, I scheduled our DVR and was like, I told everyone in my family, I was like, "We cannot." Not record this. I need <laughs> this to be here for me when I get back. I need to watch this. So if it is recording, it is on purpose and like just let it go. <laughs> uh, and then I, I then I obviously watched it the second I was able to when I got back. Nice. Yeah. Um. I watched it live as it aired, but the uh, stipulation was that um I had to ask my parents if I could eat dinner on the couch. Um. Because usually we, of course, would have to sit around the table and eat together. But I think they understood that I didn't have a whole lot going on in my life in middle <laughs> school. And we'll just let him have this. So, uh, yeah, that's I just remember watching this. Uh, yeah, just incredible. Um, and But I feel like my initial reaction, though, was not as fully positive as it is now. Um, I think we're both on the same page there. Um, yeah, definitely. And it's something that I like, it took, I mean, even into college, I was still like, this is like, I, I was just like, Aang should have killed him. Like, I, like right. I still was not like grasping everything that they were doing with this episode. And I still like, obviously, I still have like qualms with the lion turtle showing up out of nowhere and like Order of the White Lotus stuff. Um, but like... It, it's definitely, I've grown on it a lot more. And I think that there was actually a long Tumblr post I read, uh, like partway through college that explained Aang's decision and like the like story elements that they were inspired by from like non-traditionally Western narratives and stuff that really changed how I viewed the finale. And uh, I 
love a lot more of it now than I did when I was seeing it for the first time. But I like I was always very, very engaged and captivated by everything that was going on in this in this four part episode. For sure. Like the spectacle of this episode obviously is like some of the absolute best animation of the of the entire show is in this episode or in these episodes. Um, but yeah, I think I'm on the same page in terms of like when I first watched, I was an edgy 14 year old probably. Um, so like the idea of a hero being able to like accomplish their goal in a nonviolent way and not having to lose anything for it was like the worst, like, I don't know, to me, it felt off at the time, but like you said, like, as it's gone on and on, I'm like, why do I want a 12 year old to suffer? <laughs> like, I'm glad that Aang like didn't have to murder someone. That's a good thing. Um, yeah. I definitely have, as I've grown older and like really gained perspective on what a 12 year old is like now that I'm like not deep in the thick of uh, eighth grade life. Like I think that now that I'm like as a person and especially after we talked about Katara's decision two episodes ago and like Zuko's nonviolent approach, like I obviously this is like where the show is heading the whole time. Obviously they are not going to kill this guy. Uh, I, I definitely am now more on board and the totally understanding of Aang's decision, even as I'm still sort of like, everyone else is right too. Like they, Aang probably should have killed him or like if, the, I'm glad that Aang was able to find a way to not do that. But like with everybody else telling him that he like absolutely has to, and like he's like a child whose this destiny is placed on and that's not fair, but like, kind of needed to kill him <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it's it's tough because it's it's very much of a two mind sort of thing because it's like if it's not a 12 year old boy it's like a grown adult then yeah of course like that feels like the correct solution there and that seems like the correct solution according to literally like you said literally everyone that ang asks is like no you have to um and in their defense they don't know that there are giant line turtles who are just out in the ocean who can <laughs> provide another solution. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's like worth noting that he was willing to at least get Ozai up to that point of like, de de like, of um, like incapacitating him. Um, but yeah, luckily for Aang, the lion turtle shows up. And I think, like you said, that's probably like still my biggest qualm with the finale is that they throw so much at you here like it's even in the moments when ang is energy bending ozai we have this voiceover of <laughs> words we hadn't heard before of like your soul must be or your spirit must be unbending or whatever like we we haven't heard that like if they didn't have that voiceover we would have no context for why the glowing is happening and why ang is getting corrupted or any of that yeah i also feel like just i think that the strangely some of the laziest storytelling is happening in the ozai battle like ang suddenly unlocks his chakras after we spent literally zero time talking about that this entire season since it was blocked basically and like that just hasn't been a plot element at all and then to have it suddenly come back and have him like master the avatar state because like something hit him in the back like it doesn't really make any sense and it doesn't have any emotional weight to it on top of the lion turtle energy bending stuff this all this stuff is just like how is this not dealt with or even discussed before this episode <laughs> was starting yeah i think there's like something to be said for the fact that the whole show 
has been about this idea of like the connection between the physical and this like magical these magical elements like it's all very based in the body and like physicality so it's like yeah i can buy into the idea of like just if you hit someone in the right place something's gonna happen to them um but like you said like from just from a storytelling perspective even if like that works thematically it still does not feel good or it just is like oh okay i guess this is happening now um especially given like like we said the book two finale like that was the whole trade-off for ang was the idea of giving up katara essentially in order to do this thing and now it's like oh if you just poke him in the right way it'll happen anyway um it's it, which is tough to watch yeah. i guess <laughs> or tough like, to swallow there's no revisit to the guru or like i i don't know it's just it, it that part specifically has always just been like what and then because and then they don't even explain like mastering the avatar state and like what's going on there there's not even like a roku voiceover explaining it in the moment or anything so it's just sort of like you need out of world context to know what's going on fully and it's not even talked about leading up to it there was a lot of stuff in this episode and i feel like they've done this a lot where like how did these kids never discuss something like this before it came up in these episodes like i just <laughs> felt like if it, it felt to me like egg at one point early in the season early in the show was like nothing you say matters unless the cameras are rolling <laughs> and they just like ang's like okay well if i go down you can use that spirit water or whatever but it's like how did they how does he not know after like several months that guitar doesn't have it anymore. How does that never come up? It doesn't make any sense that like it needs to be discussed. And I guess it's to like reset it because we're in the finale and they want to make sure that people know the information. But it's just weird to me. Yeah, like the the delivery could have been like someone else or I, like Zuko is like, well, how did you come back the last time? And then they could have been like, oh, this stuff yeah. that we don't have anymore. Like there were like more ele elegant ways to pull that off. But like, yeah, like you said, I, you can kind of forgive them for having to give us that information. Um, even if like, um, I guess to like really go back to like the beginning of this finale, we get the reveal of the plan to just burn the shit out of the Earth Kingdom suddenly, which like Zuko does kind of give an explanation of like, well, I didn't think I would have to tell you this because like I just assumed the problem would be taken care of, which relatable honestly like if i can avoid an awkward conversation about my father wanting to burn down an entire country then sure i will take that chance but um yeah it's like i mean what else were they talking about this whole time like the idea of like the this humongous plan happening just didn't come up before plus like in the at the start of the finale the comet is three days away so like what what does zuko think is gonna when do they think they're gonna do it yeah uh, I mean, he's like in that he's like that weird position of like like uh i assume there's a plan but i don't know i don't want to like <laughs> ruffle any feathers i'm still the new guy like you i yeah zuko just doesn't want to bother anyone right now um yeah uh but uh i do i guess while we're at the beginning of the finale we at least get some like levity here with this cute beach party um yeah i was happy that the gang got a beach episode as well yes um and Toph tries to make it into like the actual beach episode um by like trying to talk about her feelings but uh zuko is extremely dismissive <laughs> which is yeah very which I, I mean it's never 
I don't I didn't remember thinking about this before, but like they actually do have a lot to relate to. Like it's like they are very similar people with very similar histories, both coming from privilege with these parents who like don't like them or like don't believe in them, and then they turn into these powerful people. Like it feels like there's a lot for them to talk about. For sure. And I mean, this is coming from last episode when they did have a heart to heart about like, <laughs> uh, like it was more so maybe Zuko's only into it when it's about fixing his problems when it comes to helping someone else, or at least Toph. Uh, he's not as into it. Um, which, you know, is rough. But I guess speaking of their parents, though, I do appreciate that we get this flashback to this meeting. And I do like this subtle little uh, moment where Ozai says something like, Zuko, you've been with the Earth Kingdom commoners, like, he says it so casually as if he, like, the reason Zuko was there, like, Zuko was with the Earth King Commoners because you banished him and then also, <laughs> like, put a price on his head. Like, it felt like such a subtle sort of Ozai trying to just throw Zuko off or remind Zuko of, like, just how low he had been before. Um, and it's, like, not even really, like, uh, um, they don't really dwell on it, but it's, like, a, it really stood out to me this time. That's a great point. Yeah, no, that uh, I forgot that this scene existed basically until a couple episodes ago when we were talking about it. Uh, but like, yeah, it's bizarre that it's kind of Zuko's idea for this all to happen. Um, and then I, just the fa the family dynamics of the Fire Nation in this episode are really interesting to me. Like all of Ozai's reactions are so. Uh, heartbreaking in, in this episode out of like suddenly like and Ozai just feels like he's also um, going a little insane uh, <laughs> but yeah he really is just trying to keep Zuko under his thumb even after they've like patched up and like is this the relationship that you want out of this guy <laughs> exactly um and i do also like just the like that zuko once again is put in a position where something really horrible and immoral is said in this meeting but this time he just doesn't speak up um and i i like that parallel um just to show us how desperate zuko was in that moment to not fuck up again um so like even though like the surrounding context of getting that scene is like not great i still like the scene itself um for like yeah. once again reminding us of those dynamics and it makes a lot of sense that he like doesn't want to step out of line and like it all works i like the shot of ozai walking over the map of the earth nation even <laughs> though i felt like that map was really weirdly cropped i didn't understand <laughs> why it wasn't showing the full earth nation and also not the full fire nation but that's okay <laughs> look we weren't there in the room we don't know maybe this was like uh, just like Survivor uh, editing down tribals, maybe that went on for hours and hours, and we're just this is one of many maps that we're seeing, and he walked on all of them <laughs> to get the best shot. Exactly. Um, and then that after the beach episode, Zuko attacks Aang, um, which is cool, I guess. Little one more fight between Zuko and Aang. Uh, yeah. I was like, Zuko, you're destroying the house. Come on. <laughs> I mean, the, clearly, like, he had already messed, like, there's a part where Aang, like, uh, like, throws himself through, like, a window, but it's already busted through, so I assume they just were already trashing the hell out of mm -hmm. this place. I mean, it is a bunch of teenagers. I assume there's a liquor cabinet in there somewhere. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I'm not surprised the place went up in flames at one point. Um, but uh, I do also like, then, that we get the scene of um, Zuko teaching Aang about... Uh, 
redirecting lightning and like Aang recognizing instantly that's from the waterbenders. Um, and then Zuko talks about it, this idea of like um, the feeling of lightning bending of like having lightning. It's very powerful, but also very terrifying. And I like that it's talking about being the avatar in a way in that moment, like this is a struggle Aang has to deal with is the fact that he is literally the strongest person walking the earth and like how powerful, but also terrifying that has to feel. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, no, that I think it's a great scene. I like that Aang recognizes that it's from the Water Nation. Obviously, he is the Avatar. Get some Iroh shout out. I like that. Oh, also, this was for earlier, but I like that we saw Aang be blast fire out of his mouth like Iroh too. Yeah, uh, and that I, they never really talk about that, but that feels like something that's like also something that probably has to do with knowing your strength and like being at peace within yourself or something like that like lightning bending is uh they never discuss it but it feels like if Iroh and Aang are the only ones we really see do it that it's like oh and I think that Azula does it at the end actually so probably not uh what I was saying but <laughs> and, and Ozai does it too um oh yeah and so uh, I guess like, it's just like a power thing yeah <laughs> or just a royal family thing could be um we don't know but it is it's a cool idea um it's it really talks or i mean it's like the ultimate form of the idea of like fire and breath and all that jazz True. um but uh and even though of... even though ang like obviously ang has gotten very good at firebending very quickly i am at peace with that specifically because like it feels like once he got over his fear of firebending he like I, it does feel like he's not like completely opposed to the ideas of firebending especially after he learns about it as like energy and life as opposed to like death and destruction right yeah it, it's like um and obviously like i don't he doesn't really do anything like super technical with firebending so it's like yeah i mean so it's calm is there so of course he can like do these gigantic fire blasts. Um, so yeah, I like it's easy to buy into the idea of Aang kind of getting down firebending a little more quickly. Um, and I do, I do love though that Toph does make a point to say that Aang still is not perfected earthbending because yeah. it's Toph. <laughs> uh, I love that. He'll never be good enough for her. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, meanwhile, she's literally mastered sandbending in like, presumably in however long they've been there, like she has just been down on the beach doing this and suddenly she's also the best sandbender to ever exist. Well, it's um, the one thing that she wasn't perfect at, so she needed to train. Exactly. And she did it. Yeah, and I, I do want to say this, the finale, this is like the best Toph episode we've gotten since like the invasion, like in terms of like just pure Toph content. I feel like, which is, it's sad to think about the fact that we've been so deprived of her, but this is a really fantastic finale for her. She gets to do so much, lots of great emotional moments in addition to just kicking the shit out of a lot of people. She gets her ring of keys moment when she sees June in the bar. <laughs> Wait, ring of keys, what is that? Oh, well, we did discuss on the last episode that you're not a musical person, but uh, it's from... <laughs> There's a musical called Fun Home, and there's a part where uh, the little girl sees, like, this butch lesbian for the first time and realizes that she's a lesbian. Oh, that is a Ring of Keys moment, for sure. Totally. <laughs> well, it's, you know, the joke is good, I just accidentally had to explain it. <laughs> it's just accidental. I mean, isn't knowing the audience part of comedy 
Well, I just expected that you would know what Ring of Keys is, but I guess not. That's fine. <laughs> I just, just, I don't even know what I thought it meant. I was like, uh, like a jingling baby keys. I don't, sure. <laughs> but I'm a little baby. <laughs> I, I do love that uh, we do get to meet June again. Um, and we get a name for the sheer shoe, which is awesome. Nyla. Yeah, great Green. name. It is. It's a perfect name for a sheer shoe, <laughs> um, whatever that is. Um, My, I was interested this time, never thought about this before, but when they go to June and they give her Aang's staff, I'm like, is the lion turtle in the past? Like, what is <laughs> happening here? Like, they, he's, she, she can't even lead them to, to where Aang was on the beach. Like, they can't even take him to the ocean. So I'm sort of, like, Aang is gone, gone. Um, I that I, that to me this time read that like they were fully time traveling. Yeah, I don't know if it's just like the idea of like being on the back of a lion turtle is just like just as I don't know, is a different place, a plane of reality entirely. Um I don't know. They don't really because it seems like I mean he's like just going through the ocean. Like yeah. I don't understand why it couldn't at least lead them to the beach and be like, well, he's out there somewhere. Um but I don't know, it just adds to like the mystery, I guess, of what is the lion turtle? And we don't really get an answer here, at least. Um, no. <laughs> uh, like, uh, we don't really know if, like, the reason Aang can, like, summon up these past lives, which he hasn't really been able to do before, is because he's here in this place, or if he's just, like, that desperate. Um, yeah, I and I do wish... It does seem like he knows that he's able to do it before he's there, so, like, I guess that... He's always been able to do it, but I, it is strange that this is the first time it's happened. <laughs> yeah, um, but I do appreciate it because it once again reinforces our mission statement on this pod, which is the male avatars suck and the women avatars know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's never been more clear than in this episode. Exactly. Like... Um, there's like uh, let's see let's like run down what everyone's advice is like roku's is like be decisive which is basically just make a decision not helpful he doesn't tell him how to make this decision or which decision would make sense he's just like make one yeah Great. but the, his advice is also tinged with i regret that i didn't kill my friend <laughs> yeah exactly um but he's also i don't know there's also the underlying well i mean I didn't do it, and the next guy has to deal with it, so you could do that too. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and then, of course, infamously, Kyoshi's like, just kill him. Like, come on. Um, but, like, ju uh, without justice, there's no peace. That's pretty good advice, honestly. Like, that's like, speaks to a wider idea of, like, how is the whole world going to react if you don't do this? Like, this guy is still around. Like, how is there going to be any peace when there's still this figurehead? So, Plus, it, yeah. it doesn't really seem like she left any mess for the next Avatar. She It seems like she cleaned things up so that the next Avatar would have 16 years to, like, grow up and become an adult before they had Roku had to, like, take on the... Because we Roku was, like, very in a time of peace Avatar, and, like, it didn't really seem like there was any issues going on until Sozin decided to fuck it up. 
Exactly. Like, and that's also Kurok's story, apparently, too. Is yeah, uh, things were great until I messed them up. Um, and I forget what was Kirk's advice was just like, be active in your destiny, which again is just do something. It's the most generic yeah. advice you could give someone. And um, if you're interested in people reading Kirk for filth, I would recommend the Kyoshi novels. They <laughs> are not afraid to criticize and critique uh, the most recent Water Nation avatar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's. I, I assume every single Kyoshi book is just about how awful he was, uh, or how awful Kirk was, because it kind of is. Because a lot of her story is about like the people, his team avatar, and like their issues, and uh, you know, that's not something that any other avatar has had to deal with. So yeah, <laughs> and then of course we get the Yang Chen. She's so Yang. incredible, and it's horrible that we don't have more of her from any other part of the story exactly yeah like she also comes in with the amazing advice she's like yeah that's awesome for the air nomads that they can do that but you're not really an air nomad you're the avatar like you have to be someone who is all things to the whole world like I, it's just like mind-boggling that how amazing yang shen and kiyoshi are at giving like actual good advice here and then the two yeah. dudes are just useless. And uh, juxtaposed, the the uh, perspective on Yang Chen in the Kyoshi novels is that she was one of the greatest avatars of all time. And so I stand and we love and I wish that we would have more information about what all was going on in her life. Maybe they talk about it in the second Kyoshi novel. I'll find out. <laughs> um, but that was my impression. That Ultimately, the only times I've ever heard of Avatar Yang Chen are this episode... The key, one of the two Kyoshi novels that I've read. And there was this thing on Nick.com, like leading up to this episode, <laughs> where there was like extended conversations with the avatars. And like Aang was talking to all the four of them again. And they like had this discussion. I didn't, I don't know what all was said in that, but I, I remember learning about Yang Chan for the first time in that Nick like game sort of like animated novel basically. yeah it was um i believe that one takes place between books two and three and it's like ang kind of as he's like still in his little coma is like kind of reconnecting to his past lives i think i, I believe it's on the book two dvds or something that's interesting um, i thought it was this moment but i guess it's not yeah I don't know, but I like like we've always said and continue today, like sort of repeating ourselves constantly. We just want to know more lore. We're we're lore heads. We're we love we're just call us lore life for Kid Gilmore because uh, we want lore more. Too, <laughs> we do. Um, wow. <laughs> um, hopefully, you know, Avatar Studios can provide the Yang Chen tent that we need. Um, so desperately yeah um, and okay. yeah when i just this i just glanced at my notes and when they discover that ang is missing Toph immediately goes he he must have run away again <laughs> like, oh my God! no faith in our boy ang at all when it comes to high pressure decision making like at, I, ever i mean to be fair she is corrected that that is always ang's move is to flee um <laughs> So 
it's, it's, and it's funny because she like is talking as if she has been there this whole time to see all like she kind of refer like refers to the idea of like when Aang went off to do his spirit world stuff in the book one finale it's like girl you weren't even there for that but i'm sure they've talked about it before she's just like yep he's pulling some bullshit again the one thing they told Toph about before she joined exactly <laughs> i'm all well to be fair she did also just watch the play so i'm sure that was like mm. a big factor as well in that um so she got the full rundown too that's true. I forgot that she finally found out what happened before she joined the group. Exactly. Um, uh, we kind of glossed over Melanor, though, now that we're talking about Toph, which is instantly iconic. Um, love that for Toph. Uh, but I also do not blame Aang for not killing the Melonlord, because that is a really adorable little watermelon jack-o'-lantern. True. Also, he said that he didn't feel like himself. <laughs> 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 like, okay, dude. And I do love that they cut away from Sokka like decapitating Melonlord, like as mm -hmm. if it were a real act of violence. And then <laughs> but then they instantly cut to Momo like eating the, like the inside of his skull. Um while dramatic music is still playing, which is pretty great. Cause Momo I think that's Momo's co-signing. He's like, look, you need to kill him. <laughs> yeah, so I can eat <laughs> entrails or something. This is a, also a fantastic Momo episode. Best Momo episode, I'd say, of the whole season. True. He stays with him right up until the end. He does, yeah. What a what a pal. Um, Not even Appa can say the same. <laughs> yeah, where was Appa? Appa vores Sokka, and that's about all he does. Um, I think that Sokka wanted to get in there. He's been yeah. trying to get in there all show, and he's been like... <laughs> I bet that mouth is wet and warm. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> um, wow. I don't even know how to even respond to the idea of Sokka just, like, wanting to be inside of Appa's mouth. It's it's a little much. Sapa is my new ship. <laughs> Sapa, ew. <laughs> it gets some sopping wet. That's the tagline for Sapa. Sokka Gross. is a biscuit. <laughs> Let him sop you up, sock you up. Um, well, speaking of ship bait, though, um, Zutara, like, come on. I feel like, like we said this before, the show is written as if Zutara is the end game, and then it isn't. Yeah. It, it's, like, unbelievable to me that, like, that <laughs> episode, that this, the past, that the, the past, like, six episodes lead up to a Katang finale, like, it, it doesn't actually make any sense to me. I guess I'm like completely biased after 15 years of believing this <laughs> in my heart and soul, but it is so bizarre. And like, they, uh, they haven't really, they've had like some interactions. Like she gave him watermelon juice uh, since they had a fight last episode after he kissed her. And then they don't, they don't actually, they don't go on an adventure. Zuko and Katara, have like a final battle together in this finale and then it ends with Katang because they decided it at the beginning of the show that they would be together probably like it just because they were the first romance of the show doesn't mean it has to be how it ends up like I just it doesn't make any sense to me no yeah and I mean I the like it's funny because like I feel like there's a moment where they they like hug out here on this like little 
veranda or wherever they are yeah um and it's like it's cut in such a way that you could like just cut out the kiss and like that would be a good ending because then it's a little more open-ended and like katara can hopefully have time to like sort out her feelings but i mean i guess they just really wanted to end on that kiss um and they did their damnedest to make sure it happened no matter what um but that doesn't stop the fact that katara and zuko literally threw their lives on the line for each other in this episode and were also accused of dating by a stranger and had that funny little flustered we're not dating moment that every good ship needs true so true and it does feel like they like ending on the hug would have been nice like it would have been a good little moment at the final and i just it, it, it obviously we've discussed this all pod but just have never been sold on katang don't think that it actually makes sense and is not written well. <laughs> um, it yeah. feels like it, like people complain about how I met your mother all the time because the finale is horrible and they <laughs> went with what because they had this sh this clip of the kids from like the eight years prior shooting the scene where Ted talks to them about Robin and it's just like just because you have this written into the, like as a, an original idea for the show, you have to like understand what you've done for the past three seasons and like know what your story is actually about because Aang and Katara ending up together doesn't mean anything. And then like, it doesn't say anything other than like, Aang got the girl. Like it's, it's literally like when he's like, baby, you're my forever girl in that dream. Like it, <laughs> it doesn't, it, there's no weight to it. Like, I just, I don't understand it. It doesn't, there's no buildup. It's just been there the whole time as this, like, dumb crush. Yeah, exactly. Um, but speaking of bad in-game relationships, the Lukaku and Grand Grand, like, what's, I want to assume the Paku's just lying to them in this moment. Like, I want to think Grand Grand has just not given him the time of day since he's been back, but he's just been, like, building up this idea of like, oh, she totally wants me in his mind. Like he, I'm sure he gave her the necklace and she's probably like, great, thanks, another one. Um, I just don't, I don't buy it, I'm sorry. Yeah, like she ran away from him one time. Why is she now gonna be okay with it 60 years later? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe she's just like, eh, why not? My options are limited down here, whatever. Good for her, honestly. That's true. This is also something we talked about earlier in the show. Like the order of white, like the order of the white lotus, makes it so clear that they've never introduced a cool older woman in this entire run. When they bring back all these random one-off dudes, and it's just like, oh, there's like five old guys here now. Cool. Like, <laughs> why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I it, the fact that they brought up Grand Grand like made me realize we have not seen current day Grand Grand. We've seen we saw Grand Grand in like a flashback, and like I think if you didn't know it was her, you wouldn't know. Like, that that's Grand Grand. Um, yeah. Like, we have not seen her since the pilot, which is kind of wild to me. And otherwise, we get Lee and Lo and learn that they're not even firebenders. And it's like, <laughs> what, what is this show's issue with older women? Exactly. Although the Lo and Lee scene is pretty fantastic. Like, very, very funny. I love Lee, Lo and Lee. I just want more for them. Exactly. That's fair. I do think, I think there's, I, I, there's like an argument of like, yeah, they're like the old guard, but then look at like Toph and Katara and Suki, like all these great younger women is like there to like take up the mantle, but it still is like, we couldn't have one, just one, like 
come on. <laughs> yeah, they don't even have a Smurfette problem. There's exactly. literally not even one. <laughs> the Smurfette problem. Maybe that she's like a woman, an older woman. I guess like if they brought back the uh, the fortune teller or something in this episode, that would have been a slut. That would have been exactly. a girl boss slut. Exactly, uh, and she's like a telepath or something. Like they just. Yeah. We're, if we're introducing new abilities in this episode, why not have, give us full-on psychic monster Aunt Wu? Or the, like, herbalist with the cat. I feel like, I, I honestly think that this scene, season, this episode should have had an Aunt Wu moment where she's, like, seeing the meteor and, like, is predicting something off of it or something like that. Like, I feel like there's something there where, like, <laughs> there could be a good joke where the town is like, Aunt Wu, what does this mean? Or something <laughs> like that. Uh, and I, uh, oh, well, justice for Aunt Wu. Exactly, yeah. We needed the scene of her looking up and being like, great year for twins, again. <laughs> Just based on this <laughs> giant flaming comet. Um, which I, that's another thing though. Um, I feel like we've been kind of like going for the negatives here for a little bit, but like, I love, obviously these episodes are gorgeous. Um, and I do love that each finale of the show has had um, like a specific color scheme that matches of their element. Like book one, we're in the Northern Water Tribe and it's, everything's like this blue. Um, book two, we're down in Old Bossing Say, where it's all these green crystals. And then obviously the Sosin's Comet kind of turns everything red in this finale. So I do love that sort of parallelism between the finales um and just yeah gorgeous 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 show that's a great point i've never thought about that but yeah they do have these excuse me um sequences and all these episodes where everything is just washed in these lights especially when ang is like acting as the avatar spirit in book one that like everything is just so blue especially because they're in the north um that's really interesting and a good uh through line through the show Exactly. Um, but yeah, like the amazing colors uh, in this episode, obviously the last Agni Kai, um, just one of the most gorgeous sequences of the whole show, like not just visually, but also the music is just like so incredible. Definitely. All of the fights in this like grand finale are really well done. Like the Order of the White Lotus taking over Ba Sing Se is all really cool to see. And, like, obviously, Aang versus Ozai is incredible. It's just, like, beautiful and horrifying and <laughs> cool to see these dudes throw rocks at each other. It is, yeah. Um, just, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Like, seeing all the elements in, like, this big bubble around Aang is really cool. Like, they really, like... Well, I don't know. It's a literal showstopper. They're literally stopping the show with um, this fight scene. Very and cool. they do a lot of, like, implied physics stuff too in this fight yeah. where like ang shrinks the rocks down by like and like he's making them denser they like there's no rock like falling off of the tiny rocks as they become little it's just like becoming this like little bullet of earth and then also when ang is like falling into the river he like brings some of the water up to catch him so that he's not coming into the water at like such a high speed that it would like flatten him and splat him on the water as he like hits the impact uh it's all interesting and they like they've always done a good job with that like thinking about what is physically going on in the space and what would actually happen if this stuff happened right um and yeah like seeing or yeah just like seeing the like build up the of like the fire blast is like really really well done like um like you said the physics of it even though i'm sure i don't know um 
I don't, I'm not a scientist. I don't know how giant fire blasts actually work, but it makes sense to me that it would go, it'd be start small and then go big and make fun noises when it does it. <laughs> start small, go big. I think that's exactly. good advice for anything. Exactly. Um, and they do that. Um, this episode yeah. is also a wonderful, beautiful reconnection between Zuko and Iroh. Uh, it's, it's a I was tear bending. I'm sure we all were. Um, yes. Um, there's the when Zuko approaches the tent, like we get the Sungi horn note, which is uh, so good. Um, I yeah. also feel like I'm. This is a critique, I guess, but I I feel like I've never noticed Iroh's voice actor changed so much. Like I've never, it's never hit for me in this way where I'm like, oh, that definitely is a different guy. Like I, I feel like in past viewings of this episode, I've been like, wow, he did a really good job, and now I'm like, oh no, 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 that's not him at all. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 tough, um, but fortunately, I don't like it. Really, doesn't take me He's out. He's still good. Yeah, it's serviceable. He did his job, which is, you know, it's good. And there um, are moments where he's doing a good Mako impression. Um, but there, it, a lot of the dialogue, I'm like, oh, yeah, it is a different guy. Yeah, for uh, sure. But it's nice to hear that he was never mad at Zuko. Like, he thought he was just, like, sad and wanted to... Uh, it was, it, that whole conversation is so great. Um, is. And even though it comes in the, like, last minute, the Lion Turtle stuff is like beautiful philosophy or just like a really great captivating quote uh when he's like the true mind can weather all the lies and illusions without being lost the true heart can tough the poison of hatred without being harmed since beginningless time darkness thrives in the void but always yields to purifying light like that's beautiful and it's just like uh there's just so many good things about this finale that even if i like think about things certain things for too long i like have to frown i think obviously just like uh there's so much going on here that there's a lot to love and that overpowers the darkness just like the lion turtle said exactly um yeah i that's uh really fantastic fantastic stuff from the lion turtle and i do like that it like thematically plays into like what ang is going through in this moment like the idea of like having an unbendable spirit is what ang has been struggling with this whole time in terms of like what does he do about ozai it's um it's not about bending your spirit to, or like changing who you are um, to accomplish something to please everyone. It's about being having convictions and being able to stick to them. Yeah, um, and Aang was so. I mean, it's kind of like Aang's um, determination not to kill Ozai versus Ozai's determination to conquer and destroy the world. And in this moment, Aang's belief in pacifism and saving the world through non-murder comes out on top because he believed in him, his way of life so much more than Ozai could believe in his destruction. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, it's a good way to think about it. It's like if Aang kills Ozai, it, kind of, it really dilutes a lot of the messages of the show. It's um, like, don't stick to your guns um sometimes it's okay <laughs> murder is okay um yeah i think like we said uh, a lot like the decision makes a lot of sense um and it is a really beautiful little moment like speaking of great contrasting colors like just that moment of like the whole sky just being completely split in half between the blue and the orange is just really beautiful even if you're like oh i didn't know this was a thing that could happen but okay work <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh 
Yeah, and I like them being like slack jawed, open mouth, eye lights coming out of their faces too. Yeah, that's it's very um like terrifying to think about like what even is like actually happening to them. Like they're just beings of pure energy in that moment. Um, and how like I don't know how awful that must feel to have literally feel your energy being manipulated by someone else. Um, that's true. Also, now that I'm thinking about it in that way, where they like become beings of energy and influence each other, it does sort of fit with like the swamp people talking about everything being connected and the guru. I feel like they've discussed a lot, like we're all one being on the planet and it makes sense, even though uh, it's, they didn't directly connect to it in this episode. Right. Yeah. Like the, yeah, like we said, thematically, it makes a lot of sense, even if like we kind of had to like stumble to get there. Yeah. Um, it's not like another, more powerful monster comes in and like fights Godzilla or whatever. Like, it's not like, it's not a huge shift at the final moment in a way that it could be. It just fits and like, you believe it, but sort of like, why didn't we talk about lion turtles before? Yeah, we could have got like a, like we do get the little like picture of a lion turtle and we hear the words lion turtle in the library, but that's it really. Um, yeah, I like, I don't know, uh, would be awesome to like have gotten an episode of just like, or even like a line, like we said of like, yeah, uh, before Ben, like lion turtles before bending, they were there, they bent energy or whatever, just to like plant the seed. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like we've harped on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess to kind of go back to the Iro Zuko moment just for a second, though, I do, we've like noticed this before, this idea of Zuko and Iroh not looking at each other. So I do love that they brought that back for that final moment. And then they turn around and embrace each other. It's just so, so beautifully done. Love yeah. It. And like, they're not, it, it they're not, he's not facing Zuko in this moment when he's like apologizing, but for the important part of the conversation, when they're like finally reconnecting, they are like embracing and like fully like crying and loving each other, which is beautiful. It is. Love that for them. Um, yeah. Then we get a real humdinger of a reunion between Zuko and Azula too. Uh, and yeah. also Azula and Ursa, um, which is also really amazing like gut-wrenching scene to really like in the beach obviously azula talks about the idea of like her mom seeing her as a monster and so it's nice that we kind of get this like really look into azula's psyche like it would be so easy for azula to kind of just be like this big monster that they have to beat up like and she's just is evil and that's it um so yeah. i do love that we get that scene there where we get to see like yeah azula has big insecurities um and i still, think that they you know, they also tr I, I also appreciated that they like they showed this picture of ozai and talked about like oh like he is a person and like showed him being in the backstory like they but they didn't add a tragic reason why he's the way that he is they were just like remember that he is a human too um but for azula like they i mean like we're saying with ang like she's 14 like she's just a kid and like she's obviously got a lot going on with her um mentally and it but it's it they give a lot of reasons for why that she's like declining in the way that she is like they talk specifically about azula and may and they have this mom flashback but also 
even though she gets what she wants or has like believed that she deserves all her life, like she becomes the Fire Lord, it comes with her dad abandoning her. Like she wanted to do this with him and like thought that she was going to. And in the final moment, he like is like, no, you are staying here. And like also is giving like let leaving her as well. And that is like, even though they don't fully discuss that, like I, that is the final piece that like causes her to go fully down the road that she goes right yeah like he yeah the fact that he ambushes her with it just feels it feels like a power play like he almost wanted i'm sure he wanted her to have that like initial reaction of like kind of being a petty child about it of like like you know you promised me like we are gonna do this together like lashing out at him about it and that just so he can be like um actually i was about to make you fire lord like he can d kind of dangle that over her head like you just yeah. acted this way and now i'm i was actually for a good thing so don't you feel horrible for doubting me for even a second? Like everything Ozai does is, is just like perfectly written to make him, to make it obvious that he is a really, really terrible person and parent. Definitely. It's, I mean, the, that scene specifically with the palanquin, funny to watch the guys run <laughs> with the palanquin and her say, it's so hard to find good palanquin help us. But um, to get, it's get, we get it in the same episode where Zuko comes to the, war meeting and like Ozai's like Zuko we waited for you and it seems like in this scene with the palanquins that like Ozai doesn't e didn't even tell Azula that it was going to happen and like they he was just going to take off without her and so it's just like it's the, it's just so bizarre to get this Ozai I guess now that Zuko's gone Ozai is like turning to Azula to like beat down in these ways uh which is horrible it is yeah it, um but yeah, that scene of uh, her like urging the palanquin bears on and like talking about them disparagingly also like kind of plays into later when like her like one of the last things she says to Katara is she calls her a filthy peasant. So like I do like they they still are like bringing in the idea of like class in a way here where like Azula is always going to look down on Katara and anyone like of like who's not royalty especially but especially like anyone who's like from somewhere that isn't the fire nation and like from poverty like katara is like and zuko was that way too like he's called her a peasant before um so i do like that they are always reminding us that they're <laughs> they're not just fascists they're also classists yeah that's, I, that's what i was gonna bring up too with zuko where like having azula call katara a peasant in this moment is like another showing of how zuko has changed and they've grown together as a duo uh mm -hmm. But I I do love uh, that Katara like Azula, Azula knows that she's gonna lose and like brings Katara into the fight uh, and I, obviously that's underhanded or whatever. But I love that Katara and Azula are the ones who like go off on each other. Uh, like it feels like when Molly Weasley is the one to kill Bellatrix Lestrange. It's sort of like Oh, like they, they aren't like <laughs> the they aren't like the faded two who like are fighting each other, but it's still a great sequence and like it's good, cool to see this happen. Right. Um, it is nice, and it's uh, even more interesting when you think about like Katara and Azula really have never like gone head to head like this before. Like, uh, we had Aang, Sokka, and Toph face off with Azula during the invasion, and Katara just was not there for that. 
Um, so it's fun to like, it, it's like if this didn't happen, you'd always have the discussion of like, well, who would have won in a fight if it was Azula versus Katara head on? Um, and I like that they answer that here um, resoundingly. Yeah, and especially like, because we've seen it like Aang and Katara fought Zuko and Azula in the book two finale. But the part of the fight where Azula and Katara fight each other is not very long. Like, I feel like she just, like, lifts her up and then, like, Zuko, like, cuts off the water, as far as I can remember. Uh, and so, yeah, it is, it's it's just cool to watch these gals s s slice at each other. It is. Gals being pals. Because, like, uh. the fight, the Agni Kai between Zuko and Azula is cool and it's beautiful and well animated, but, like, the water bending like is just like a there's so much more creatively that they can do uh just with the water as opposed to fire which is kind of just comes down to blasting at each other right exactly um and yeah that's yeah just fantastic animation and like you said creativity in terms of just like a as a like an action choreographed set piece is like yeah katara just like outsmarts the shit out of her um yeah and it's fantastic the chain is, I guess, like, I, I guess I just wanted it to be more symbolic or, I don't know, I just feel like it, there was a different way to have them lock her down without this other thing. I don't, I, I'm okay with it and it's like, okay, I was just thinking about alternatives or like, why is this, what is this chain doing there? <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it was very fortuitous that they have gigantic iron chains there for use, just in case. Um, that she's, but, like, able to tie up or something? <laughs> uh, yeah, she she knows exactly what to do with those somehow. Good for her. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's uh, just a really great showdown. Um, and I do love the detail, though, of Zula like just sobbing at the end like of course like she's still a 14 year old girl like at the end of the day like and this is probably really devastating for her um yeah it's it's tough yeah. uh, I, I do want to say Grey Delisle absolutely kills it in this episode like for sure every line reading so fantastic I well just to compare her specifically to her dad who also is taken down in different ways like obviously he's exhausted from uh you know being having his bending sapped out of him but like he's like completely done and like not he i guess he's sort of in a way accepting that it's over and azula just never stops fighting right exactly that's because men are weak losers and <laughs> women are not that's the ultimate message um I do love that we did that scene of like Ozai when he's just like completely drained. Um, like just a fun, cute little jokey moment. Um, Loser Lord, fantastic stuff from Sokka there. Uh, Suki, you know, God bless her heart, trying her best. Look, she's not great off the cuff, and that's okay. <laughs> she's not like these guys have been working together. They know each other's rapport for so like for so much longer. Like you got to give Suki a break. She's hasn't been here as long as them. Yeah, I, she just hasn't. Look, I know that she's a very skilled warrior, but I feel like she hasn't had a lot of experiences where she's actually had to put her skills into use, and so she hasn't mastered the repartee and the quipping back and forth and that's fine exactly she's the muscle of the group that's okay extremely also she just like 
almost died. So like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like, um, I feel like even though like Ozai, like the two duels that are going on with the bending, obviously there's like a lot of death defying, but I feel like the trio Sako, Suki and Toph are like constantly on the verge of just like getting horribly mangled or falling to their death. Um, yeah. It's very early. Specifically when Sokka falls and like he's got Toph's hand and he like falls onto that thing. Uh, it's like <laughs> he goes, my leg. When it's like when I'm watching it, I'm like, your arm is destroyed right now. Like he falls <laughs> and like, like fully like rotates it backward and holds onto Toph. And like she's, or the weight of Toph is like pulling him down against the like metal thing. And it's like, your socket is loose, babe. And it's like, you're like, <laughs> ow, ooh, my leg, SpongeBob. <laughs> but it's just like, <laughs> I, I totally agree, like, especially because they are the non-benders and Toph, who's an earthbender, but she's in this flying machine that she can't see anything. Like, they are, to me, the most harrowing part of the finale, for most of it, where it's just like, anything could go wrong at any moment, and they are, like, actively crashing multiple ships into other ships. They do it, like, two or three times in this finale, and it's just like, how are they, I'm just yeah, shrapnel <laughs> flying everywhere. Like how are they? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, just great sequence. And I love Iron Toff is so, so good. Um, must be absolutely terrifying to have to face that. Like one, you have no <laughs> idea metal bending is a thing Two, Suddenly a 12 year old girl is doing it in your face and is like crawling on the ceiling. Like the fucking like girl from the exorcist, like, that has to, those final moments for those guys must have been the most terrifying seconds of their lives. Yeah, it's good that they didn't have to last too long in that moment. Toph made quick work. Yeah, she did. <laughs> so, uh, I love Toph so much. Um, yeah, we did talk about the, uh, that moment, though, of, like, when she talks about, like, feeling the fire on her face. Like, Toph, Toph has so much, like, great, like, little, like, quietly sad moments throughout this episode like obviously like the tear rolling down her eyes she thinks she's about to die like so good like i'm really glad Toph at least got to shine here because like we said it's definitely has been like a weaker book for her definitely um, and i it's it's because they like don't know how to balance Toph's sheer strength with like a problem that comes up. And so now that they're in like the final moments of the show and like they can give her these big swings, I think is like, why? But then like they put her in these situations still where like she actually can't earthbend that much. So I, they, I, it's just like, I I don't know why they hid her from us, but uh, <laughs> I agree that I'm like, she really has a lot of great scenes in this episode, right? Like out of nowhere. Yes, it's good for her. Um, this is her good for her moment. Just yeah. like every moment for her, honestly, though. I will say I loved Aang's new outfits in this book. Oh, I yes. think that, like, his... the Suddenly he's got his, like, cold shoulder moment for the invasion, and he's been wearing that since then. Um, and I, like... Obviously, we talked about the Fire Nation clothes at the beginning of the book, but... I like totally good for her. Uh, love his fully realized avatar outfit that he has in the like end in the denouement of this episode. Denouement, I don't know. Uh, where like <laughs> he's in this like orange, beautiful, like huge puffy robes. I like, I loved it. Yes, the outfits 
in i mean obviously the whole series but like the finale especially they really i mean it's very much like a drag race finale they have a budget now they've been doing some gigs while the season was airing and now they can really pull out all the stops here at the finale yeah and zuko's fire lord uh geesh is great as well gorgeous gagatrandra as they say <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love that yes <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think, were there any other iconic outfits? I mean, um... I've joked about this before, but Katara's dress is really ugly, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, yeah. green color, I don't know why she had to be in green for this. Yeah, I don't think anyone is very, like, nothing is very flattering on any of them in that finale, except for Aang, like, the final shots, like, yeah. yeah. Green is I not think... Katara's color, sadly. It felt like they should have done what they did for Aang's outfit, for everybody like it just like katara should have this like magnificent blue number and they she just doesn't they're in like this weird green stuff yeah it's like why would you yeah like we've always associated katara with blue so it's like why would you want that final shot of your two lead characters kissing to not have that going yeah. on iroh it's does look nice in his like tea master thing i love when zuko's bringing him tea uh, in bringing the TL around. Sokka's painting of everybody is so good. Yes. Uh, last like, <laughs> little joke before they end. Who's fire? Is it is May firebending? Or Suki is, is firebending. Suki is firebending. <laughs> yes. It's just... I, yeah, my, <laughs> my favorite part of the scene is May's voice actress's line reading of, I look like a man. <laughs> <laughs> it's very well done. Um yeah, that's a cute little it's like ending, like we said. Um, and I do really, really love Zuko and Aang's hug. Like, that's so cute. I don't, have they hugged before? Is this the first hug? Well, they did a group hug earlier in the right, episode. but like a one a man to man hug. Like, yeah, I guess Iroh taught him the way of the hug, and Zuko brought it back for the end of the episode. Exactly. Yeah, there's I, a lot of hugs just, in this episode. There are. I even one of my notes is literally just hugs with the heart <laughs> emoji next to it. Like I, I yeah, I love hugging and I love seeing these characters like hugging each other and just like recognizing that they've been through so much together, um, and they made it through all of it together. Um, I guess that's another thing. Like this idea of like someone should have like it's a big finale. Like how did we get through the series without like a major character dying? It's like I'm cool with that. I'm glad that all these kids get to be together here at the end and just like revel in the fact that they saved the goddamn world together. Definitely. Especially as I compare it in my mind over and over to Animorphs, uh, which is another, like just the child soldiers of it all. They're like stopping this invasion. There's a lot to think about. And, but I think that like, if they're not going to kill either of the villains, like they, it, it would feel so horrible for any of them to die. Like even like, someone who doesn't is like as had less of an impact like suki like if suki were to die like that would be so awful and so i'm glad that the only people who probably die are these like fire nation mooks who like are faceless masked masked up guys who like get sliced off the side of the airship Right, and the ones who get dumped down into the open ocean. Um, yeah, they're, they're probably dead. Yeah, and the guy on his birthday even, like... I did love that scene. And the, the, <laughs> that, that awkward meeting between two people who have never met before, <laughs> very good. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic scene. I hope maybe some friendly dolphin turtles showed up and brought them to shore, or some evil dolphin sharks came up and ate them all. We don't know. Yeah. Well, that's sort of what another thing I'm thinking about as this finale comes to a close. Like, Zuko becoming Fire Lord does not root out all of the evil people who were at the top of the Fire Nation. Like, even though he, like, is... They b continue to believe in the bloodline of the Fire Nation and, like, the, they, like, accept that he becomes the Fire Lord. Like, there's gotta be some evil syndicate who, like, is gonna try to assassinate him. And, like, they probably do deal with that. Like, in that they're not saying that that's not gonna happen. Well, they kind of... They do say that it's, like, that it's, like, over. <laughs> and, and, like, Iroh talks about, like... Zuko needs to be the person, and like I do think that they do need Zuko to be there to usher in this new era of peace. But it to it makes sense that obviously this is a good ending of the show, but there's clearly still work that needs to be done in the world because even though they stopped a lot of the the Earth Nation from being destroyed, like they still blasted it for a long period of time <laughs> on the West Coast. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Aang put out the fires. It's fine. I'm sure no harm, no foul. Um, yeah, I, uh, like, uh, we talked about this with Michelle kind of brought up this idea for, uh, during Emerald Island players, like this idea of like the show, like, it'd be nice if the show could really address this idea of like, yeah, once we've saved the world and like, we put someone good in quotes up on the throne here in the fire nation. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't solve everything. Um, but I, I yeah, that's kind of, I assume how the comics go and there's definitely some stuff in Korra that is kind of about yeah. that. But um, I, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's nice that we do at least get this like victory moment of like the four, the four groups, which <laughs> the swamp benders take up a fourth of this group, by the way, I'm like, Whoa, we're way overrepresented here. <laughs> Literally. I tweeted about this today. Like I, <laughs> there were like, uh, over a hundred of them. <laughs> uh, so many swamp benders had no idea that there were so many to and warrant. A there were so them. many water nation people too, all from the southern tribe, I assume. And it's yeah, just like that probably should have they should have just been one pillar to make it like actually make sense. But then I guess they need like four to make it like the air nomads are there or something. Like maybe yeah. in that moment Aang could have had like a spirit vision of all of the air nomads or something to make like a fourth line. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're just there. I hope the kid who had like the stink lines on him is like front and center. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah, I do think it was just like, uh, we need four groups standing here sort of situation. I, it just cracked me up. It's like, oh, the Swamp Benders <laughs> very much here. They are, they showed out. They showed up and showed out. While the, There's while more of them than there were in the Southern one. <laughs> drive it. it's like what yeah that's good for them it's classic i mean if they're supposed to represent kind of like the southern united states that that makes total sense that they are out here to show up for their people they are here to celebrate um that after party must have been insane i'm sure another total biff from the north water tribe like Paku slipped away and didn't bring anybody else from the Northern Water. Nobody else could be bothered to show up to stop no. the invasion. Mm -mm. They, they are all canceled. Fuck the Northern Water tribe forever. I guess, lastly, final thoughts. Um, maybe not final thoughts, but something else on my mind is 
Obviously, Iroh is a very spiritual and wise man, but it did feel like he had a lot of prophetic knowledge in this scene where they're all talking to him. And I just kind of wanted, to, I wish, like, it It seemed like he was, like, out of character knowing about stuff. And I, I just wanted to, I guess, I, I feel like that's him being in touch with the spirit world and being able to have these, like, moments of clarity and clairvoyance of what's going on in the world. But it feels like I wanted more he's just like I know about destiny and I'm like and I obviously he does I'm like giving the reason why myself like he's like talking to Zuko and Katara and Toph and Sokka about like where they need to be on this day and it's like how do you know (laughs) who are you to tell me where I need to be right now um but I yeah I guess it kind of makes sense and it it really um like harkens back to what Zuko said to Ozai uh, when he confronted him, like this idea of like, no, that's not my destiny. That's Aang's destiny. Um, I guess it's just like, I was speaking about it in very concrete, like matter of fact, like, no, you need to be here um, in the Eastern hemisphere at this exact moment to fill your des- fulfill your destiny. Um, we yeah. can just assume he's really tapped into the ley lines of the world because of I, spirit world nonsense or something. That's what I think. Like, cause we know he's able to see the spirits and like, obviously he has a secret history there. I also feel like he just never has wanted to be Fire Lord. And so when Zuko's like, will you please be Fire Lord? He's like, no, no, you have to do it. Um, I actually, I, it would be bad for, for he the zoomed optics, out so far. He, he zoomed out so far. He's like, if history got word of this. <laughs> what will they think about me 200 years from now? No, no, we can't yeah. do that. We can't have that. Yeah, that's he's funny. Th- he's thinking about his legacy there. He's sort of, and it's like, maybe you should become Fire Lord if you're worried about your legacy. Like, so far in the history books, you are not a very sympathetic figure. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I guess be. I guess this like retaking of Boss A, he hopes is gonna like redeem him, but I don't know. There's a lot of um, questionable things about Iroh's past uh, that I guess he's still grappling with. Yeah. Um... But I do, yeah. I'm glad he got to fulfill his Bossing Say destiny. Like, that's a great little bookend for him. And he gets the Jasmine Dragon back, presumably. So, seems even nicer. It does. It's like, I wasn't up on this huge, like, this big, like, over, like, overlooking the whole city, like, thing. I I feel like it's, yeah. So, it was like in the middle of some town square area or something. Yeah. Now it's like this, like, penthouse. Yeah. (laughs) Good for him. Um, yeah, I've, I don't know. I feel like we've really dissected. I don't know if we want to get into like big picture stuff here or if we're saving that, um, for our, um, kind of round table. No, I think we should, unless I don't, I don't think there's anything else to mention here. There's nothing that's coming to my mind about the finale before we like talk about what's next. Right. Yeah. I guess, um, yeah, this is. Like we said, a fantastic finale. Um, I remember the first time I watched it, the very next day, I like was just sitting and I just like started crying at the idea that this whole thing was over. Um, and I'm sure I'll do the same thing here, just like thinking about the idea of like, yeah, we just talked about my, what I would call my favorite television show ever. Um, and really, I like talked about it in a way I've never like had the medium to talk about it in so i'm just so glad that we did this and i hope people enjoyed it as much as i enjoyed doing it 
Me too. Especially because, like, even when we were talking about Survivor, um, like, I feel like I've had those discussions or, like, had been part of the, like, fan community discussing stuff as it happened on Reddit or Twitter or whatever. But I never really had the place or the passion group to discuss Avatar, especially like episode by episode as it was going on. So this was so fantastic. I'm so glad we did it. We're releasing these episodes almost a year to the day of when we started this uh, after Survivor Winners at War ended. So it's been a full year. Uh, It's been phenomenal. And I'm so happy we did this instead of like Survivor of South Africa. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm sure is fantastic. No shade. But yeah, I think this is, I mean, this got us through quarantine. Um, We are here. We made it. I guess it's like a time capsule sort of thing. We are here, I would say, like at the very tail end of this stuff. I'm fully, fully vaxxed up. Um, When this episode airs, I will be fully vaxxed, but currently mid-vax. Nice. Um, So, yeah, it's just, it's wild to think about life. And this show just gets you really philosophical. Um, So, yeah, should we talk about where we're heading from here then? For sure. Uh, So, next week, I think, probably, maybe we'll take a week off, who knows. Uh, We are going to be releasing our commentary track of the live action M. Night Shyamalan, The Last Airbender, no avatar associated with that. Um, and then I think the plan is to just go right into Korra book one. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's going to be fun. I've only ever seen the movie once. I was extremely inebriated during it. So this will be a fun experience, I think, hopefully. I've also only ever seen the movie once, um, not inebriated, but I went in with such high hopes. Like, you know that, you know that YouTube video of people waiting out line to see Phantom Menace? Uh, that's sort of how I was going into the live action movie. And then, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like looking at a picture of people like boarding the Titanic. It's like, oh (laughs) God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> too soon or <laughs> no i just didn't expect that you i didn't that's expect the that connection. parallel to be drawn uh it was that was funny it's, it's uh, something ghostly about it yeah um and and by my estimates when we finish book one of cora season 41 of survivor will start airing soon around that time i guess we'll know more as we get closer but i think that cora will be able to take us out into like fall and we can like reassess but currently my thinking is that we'll do book two of Korra between seasons of survivor or something so we are not doing it all at the same time that sounds good to me um unless people are really dying to talk about book two of legend of Korra also I like we we repeated a lot of guests in Avatar and obviously I love all of our guests and we stand um but I'm interested in more people who want to talk about Cora? If you like, have been wanting to talk with us about the show, I would love it if you reached out to me. Um, I'll put this out on Twitter as well. But I, it's hard to know who knows about this show compared to Survivor, where like I have a like good understanding of who I know who watches Survivor. And um, so, if you want to be on Legend of Cora episodes, let us know. Yeah, we are always down to talk about our girl with anyone. (laughs) 
Yeah, and I we've also criticized the especially the early books of Korra a lot in this episode in this <laughs> series. Yeah. My intention going into Korra will be to focus on positive stuff, and I hope that we will like we will have a I will have room to talk about the stuff I don't agree with, but I don't I I have been. It's not going to be a hate this. pod. Yeah, yeah, I've been thinking about this like since we started talking about doing Korra, where I'm like I need to like consciously tell myself like not to just like dig in on like horrible bad things about the show uh and i'm planning to not do that yeah i think that's uh, i'm right there with you i like i'm very vocally not a fan of those first two books but I, I that's not the intent of the of to be like haha let's make fun of this like there's still a lot of fantastic stuff in cora um even in those first two books and like talking about like the intent of this podcast is to talk to fun people about a thing that we all like so if you will, like are a uh, diehard, will fall on the sword for book one, book two, Korra, please, I go. I would love to talk to you about the show because I love it still. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess oh. that's our plans going forward. Yeah. Um, well, I guess thank you everyone for listening. Make sure to listen to the roundtable um, All Stars edition of Avatar: The Last Airbender, uh, Bitter Jurors. Um, because if you're not doing that, you're not getting the full story. Yeah, I think. everyone is here uh, in the other episode. Yes. And I guess, yeah, so you can follow our podcast at Bitterger's Pod on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Sam Stanish on Instagram and Twitter. There? Yeah. I'm at Rain Dierks on Twitter. And hopefully, uh, well, I guess thank you all so much for listening to this. And we'll see you for our next adventure. What a joy and a dream. Loved every second of it. So glad we did it. Uh, I have a, somehow at 27, I have a new appreciation for Avatar The Last Airbender. And it's like, I, I thought that I had like loved it as much as I was going to. But now it's like, now that I've thought about it so in depth week by week, it's like, wow, I like love, love, love the show. Even though I thought I love, love, loved it before. Right, exactly. We're finding new, deeper depths to our love for Avatar The Last Airbender. And I hope we did that for you too. Me too. Uh, well, thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye.